0: Welcome to the podcast science of high-paid high-performing happy engineers the show to help engineers develop all skills non-technical my name is Aditya Gute and I'm a speaker and a performance coach for engineers to transform them into rock stars because I believe there's a rock star hiding inside each one of you and it just needs to be brought outside to uncover your full potential as an engineer. All right. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We have April Wenzel. April Wenzel is an international keynote speaker and the founder of Compassionate Coding, a conscious business focused on training technologists in emotional intelligence and social responsibility. She spent the previous decade As a software engineer and technical leader at various firms in silicon valley building products in such fields as healthcare education and user research through speaking and training she's a tremendous speaker by the way you have to check her check out her uh, videos on youtube she now plants seeds of compassion in tech communities around the world away from the keyboard and the stage she enjoys cleaning fruit running ultra marathons and baking tasty vegan retreats. That's so cool, I, 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 uh, I'm I mostly vegan, not 100%, uh, so you should give me some vegan recipes.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah, just be careful what you ask for. Once you let me give you recipes, you'll, you'll, you'll never hear the end of it.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Great, so April, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, like what made you go from engineer to now helping, communities, engineers and corporations with compassion and emotional intelligence.
1: Uh, It's funny because it's actually related to that last bit about going vegan. So my background as a software engineer was fairly typical. I studied computer science in high school. I studied it in college, worked in tech for, as you mentioned, about a decade at different companies. And around the time, Um, that I'd been in tech for about a decade, I was starting to feel kind of burnt out and kind of disillusioned with some of the problems in the industry, uh, which are coming to light a bit more now in terms of uh, the products that we're building and whether or not they're helping society. (laughs) Um, And uh, even just the makeup of the people in tech, like a lack of um, diversity among the different engineers. And so uh, along with that, so the personal kind of burnout, addition to disillusionment, at the same time I, I went vegan. And so through going vegan, I learned about compassion, which is, you know, this idea it was a very rational uh, concept in the way it was presented to me, which is that which appealed to my engineer brain, uh, which is that compassion is really just about understanding the pain and suffering in the world and wanting to alleviate it, which to me seemed very consistent with engineering, because we're trying to solve problems. Uh, and those problems are causing people suffering. And so uh, it seemed very consistent with that. So I was like, you know, I think that what's missing from tech is like a very firm understanding of compassion and what it can do for our own well-being and for the well-being of our users and society in general. And so that's when I started my company to spread this idea of this rational compassion that I had learned about uh, to help people become better engineers and just to become happier, um, more, uh, you know, um, uh, fulfilled people.
0: Yeah, totally. So this uh, compassion, why should an engineer be compassionate?
1: Yeah, so it seems uh, counterintuitive. I think when I first started my company, Compassionate Coding, uh, people would say, isn't that an oxymoron, uh, compassion and coding? Because it seems contradictory. (laughs) Uh, But, um, well, one point is Uh, As I mentioned, uh, engineering really is about solving problems and alleviating suffering at its core. It really is about that. So it's consistent in that way. So you want to, if you want to help your customers, it's good to understand where their pain points are and where they're hurting. Secondly, Although we're working with machines as engineers, we're also collaborating with other human beings. So being able to communicate your ideas, being able to uh, have empathy for different perspectives uh, and understand that helps you collaborate better with your team and so that makes you more effective. And then finally, I touched on how I sort of went through a period of burnout. Compassion helps prevent that, uh, both because you practice compassion for yourself and start to notice when you are suffering uh, and, and try to take steps to alleviate that or take steps to improve your situation. Uh, but also it sort of creates this connectedness and recognition that we're all connected, uh, which you know the pandemic has certainly brought to light, how connected we are in terms of uh, you know something that happens on one side of the world affects people on the other side of the world. And so, compassion kind of uh, links you to the human community, and so it can help in that regard too, uh, in terms of supporting your well-being. So, those are a few reasons uh, that I think uh, engineers can benefit from caring about compassion.
0: Like you said, engineers, most of us uh, communicate with the machines, right? We write software. When most of the engineers are not people person, so uh, tell me your experience in working with engineers, helping them build compassion.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, so I would even challenge the idea that engineers aren't people, people, um, you know, that they're, uh, that they're not, uh, you know, uh, caring about people because I think that, um, you know, being emotionally intelligent, you don't have to be an extrovert, you know what I mean? So introverts, a lot of engineers are introverts and not all of them though. But so, um, you know, understanding other people's emotions and whatnot uh, is something that anyone can learn and so even engineers. Um, so I think that there's a stereotype that engineers uh, don't really do well with people. But again, I think it's more of a stereotype because especially as more people enter the field, uh, we're starting to see quite a variety of personalities attracted to, um, to engineering. So I think that uh, it's definitely something that is uh, accessible to anyone who, starting wherever they are, can start to improve these skills. and and how
0: can they prove uh, compassion?
1: Yes, so it starts with uh, something that engineers have trouble doing, which (laughs) this I will admit, which is slowing down. Uh, So, you know, a lot of times we hear mindfulness as sort of a buzzword, but at its heart, it's really just about slowing down and paying attention to what's going on. Um, The idea is not that you slow down and then stay slow. The idea is that you slow down, recognize what's going on, decide how to go about it in a very conscious, intentional way. And so with where, how this comes into emotional intelligence is it takes slowing down to a more human, not machine pace in order to Notice how the people around you are feeling. Notice how you're feeling. Uh, notice if, you know, if, if a lot of times as you start to like edge on the uh, on the border of burnout, you can feel it in your body. You know, your body feels exhausted, but you can only notice that if you tune into it. So, you know, stopping and taking a few breaths, I think is like, it sounds simple, but I think if more engineers did this on a regular basis, it could be life-changing. So I think that's the first step is just slowing down in order to recognize And then um, the other side is just while you're in that place of being more mindful, being more present in the moment paying attention to the people around you. So you can start, you can even practice this like out in the world when you're waiting in line at like the grocery store. Just like take a moment when you're you know, already having to wait in line. Think about the people in that line with you. Think about what their lives might be like, you know. Um, it's also helpful when you're feeling frustrated. So if you're like, gosh, this person's so slow and they're taking forever and you get frustrated, think, huh, I wonder, you know, if they're, uh, you know, um, struggling with something at home, and maybe like, that's why they're distracted. And that's why that, you know, whatever it may be. And so using your imagination to try to think about, you know, what kind of things are other people dealing with, or your coworkers. you know, if they're, slow to deliver something, or, uh, you know, if they seem in kind of a snappy mood, uh, try to at least imagine what might be happening in their life that's causing that. And you may not know, but even just taking a moment in imagining can help open your heart, open your mind, and feel a little bit more compassion.
0: I think those are great points. I love every one of them. One of the things I noticed is, you know, being frustrated or be, being angry becoming angry quickly is one of the very common things that you see in yeah. software engineering teams uh, whenever there's a, a misunderstanding or something right so during those moments i think what you're alluding to is slow down before reacting slow down mm-hmm. and see what where the other person uh, is coming from slow down and see what your intention is, what you are trying to communicate, right? And there is a pause and and you can uh, maximize that pause to create some awareness. Uh, And is that what you're referring to, April?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it ties into, you know, Daniel Kahneman has this book, Thinking Fast and Slow, where he talks about two systems uh, that are at work in our brain. And one is the, the fast system, system one. And that's our reactive, like fight or flight kind of mode. And then we have system two where we're more contemplative and more intentional and rational, but it takes slowing down to, to get to that point. Uh, and so absolutely, I think um, one of the exercises we do in a lot of my workshops is thinking about a time, you know, when you lost your temper or you lost control of your emotions and thinking about what was going on, what sort of you know, triggered you in that way and uh, how you might approach it differently in the future. Um, And so, yeah, it, it is about sort of practicing recognizing what those emotions are. And it's an interesting point, because one thing about engineers is a lot of times we want to act like we're completely rational. So we're not angry we're just the other person's wrong and we're just very rationally communicating why they're wrong uh but then when we start like elevating our voice and start you know maybe our hearts beating fast and things we're not completely rational we're operating in that fast emotional brain and so it's just about slowing down and admitting that um rarely are we completely rational our emotions are running all the time you know so I think that that's, it. you said it well, it's an important important uh, practice to do.
0: Yeah, and, and adding to what you said, even Steph, Stephen Covey, he talks about there is a space between stimulus and reaction and the, mag, the more you can maximize that space between stimulus and reaction, you can have some immense breakthroughs. So following up on that question, April, one of the challenges I do face, right? And then I'm, I'm handling engineers. Some engineers, not all of them, of course, began to generalize. They tend to play down the feelings, the importance of going deeper into their feelings. Sometimes, I, you know, as a coach, I've asked them questions. If they want to uh, dig deeper into a certain situation, they're like, no, I don't want to talk about my feelings. So what would what's your response like to those engineers who completely avoid feelings, have judgment about talking about it?
1: Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Um, I have been doing workshops, and someone we're doing an exercise of just uh, even talking about how we're feeling right now, and they're looking through this list of emotions because I give them this list, and they're like, one raised their hand, and they're like, "What if we feel nothing?" And it was just interesting because you know uh, they're just, and it's it's like if it, if you've never thought about this before, it seems yeah like you know why should we even talk about this stuff? So. There are several different approaches. So one is with engineers, a lot of times presenting the data that supports the idea that being uh, present and understanding of your emotions makes you more effective at your job. So there have been a lot of studies on this um, in the past few years, uh, the past few decades really about the benefits of emotional intelligence and that sort of thing. So one is to present the data, that sort of thing. Uh, The other thing is kind of making an appeal to the emotions, even if they don't uh, recognize that they have them, which is just to say like, you know, why don't we just practice doing this? Like, why don't we just give it, like suspend your judgment for a moment and let's try it and see if it helps you, right? And so again, getting them to do an experiment themselves is another way to do it. Because here's the thing is if somebody does an exercise and they end up feeling better, then, you know, then you've already, you've, you've made the case, right? So if you can, it's kind of like how we do prototyping in of products in engineering, where you try a little bit, see if it works. So if you can get engineers to prototype, um, you know, caring about their emotions uh, and they see the benefits, then, you know, um, they're more likely to want to do this. And then the other thing I would say though, with all of that, is that you, you know, you can't, and you you wouldn't want to force people into this. So, um, and I know you don't either, but it's something that I think some people are not, Uh, it's a sort of subtlety. It's like, I talk about compassion, but I would never try to force compassion on people. Like say, you must be compassionate because then I'm not being compassionate. Right. So Uh in a similar way, it's like, nobody wants these sorts of skills forced on them. It's, it has to really be a conscious choice. And so you can present the data. You can, um, you know, show people how this can help them. But at the end of the day, Uh, You know, we all have the power, personal power to make the choice of whether or not we want to pursue these things. And so I do respect that, too. And I'm sure you do, too. Like some people, uh, you know, they'll have to come to it in their own time. And that does happen, um, you know, where I'll hear from someone like years later and they're like, oh, I finally get this. I finally see why this is so important. And uh, so I think um, part of doing this work is making peace with that, that I don't have control over other people's behavior. I only have control over my behavior. And uh, and then, you know, I do my best. I plant seeds of compassion, as I put it. And uh, that's really all we can do.
0: I like forcing feelings. <laughs> I tell people, let's talk about your feelings, bro. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you support it. I'm sure that works really well.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. But, but uh, you know, I think I, I, I like a couple of things, which is that, you know, you use the, the engineering language right now sometimes you got to do a prototype like you know let's let's prototype this thing and see if it works if it does, doesn't work uh, you don't have to do this right yeah. and l- like you said everyone is on their own journey so whenever they're ready they'll uh, talk about it and we all experience those moments where five years ago this person said this now it makes sense right mm-hmm. so so totally uh, agree with you on that point too you also spoke about april 10 years, uh, after 10 years, you experienced a kind of uh, burnout, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the point where most engineers experience burnout after five to, it kind of starts at five it yeah. becomes like yeah. really serious at 10. So why is that? What do you think that happens? So. Uh,
1: well, so many things, but um, I think one thing is just the way the culture is set up. Uh, there's a never ending stream of things that you could be working on. Right. So um, because we're used to, again, used to working on machines, machines work very quickly. And so we can almost treat ourselves like machines. Like we should be able to crank out stuff really quickly. Um, We kind of live from, you know, like the neck up in terms of a lot of times, like we're not going for a walk. We're not um, taking time uh, for ourselves to, we're not even getting good sleep. And this, um, you know, companies encourage this because in the short term, it helps them in the short term because, you know, human beings are very resilient creatures, right? So we have the ability to... Um, be stressed out for a certain period of time. And we can be functional because, you know, a lot of times like the chemicals that are running through our body make us feel like we feel adrenaline. We feel like, you know, if you stay up all night uh, during crunch time and you feel really uh, energized and powerful, the problem is that eventually that accumulates and then uh, you get to a point where you either burn out or you at least notice the signs of burnout that you're getting close. Um, And so I think it's the culture of this, like trying to prove yourself, trying to compete all the time and companies incentivizing that by like, if you end up staying till three in the morning, they're like, oh, like April's like, you know, such a, such a hero on this team. She's staying till three in the morning. And so then I'm like, oh, I want to be a hero. And then everyone else is like, oh, we want to be heroes too. And so then you end up uh, creating this culture of like, like um, glamorizing the people who burn themselves out. And I think that that's a big piece of it, and then it's just a lack of awareness too. You know, these skills, emotional intelligence, as you as we've been talking about, because they're not valued by engineers um, and they're not taught very frequently to engineers. We don't, um, we're not able to sort of self-identify the problem or self-diagnose to some extent—not official diagnosis, but you know what I mean—to to look at the problem, um, and that contributes to it too. So it's a, both a personal issue and a sort of more larger, a sort of larger cultural issue.
0: Um, i'm super glad uh you set those points because one of the things uh, is that it's a system that gets created right in these corporations like you said um, you know uh, you know those people who are, who are like working hard uh, they're doing like 3 a.m. in the morning every day these are the people who are being rewarded they get promotions they get applauded for their hard work so everyone want to be that person mm-hmm. and, and and it, it becomes that um, that culture. And over time, you, you can burn out really quick.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: You also spoke about lack of diversity in, mm-hmm. in these engineering teams. So would you like to speak a little bit about that?
1: Sure. I mean, just all from my perspective, I'll share that. So, um, you know, as a woman engineer, I noticed that there, there weren't a lot of other women engineers, you know, and then as I started to uh, become more conscious of that, and the lack of diversity along other lines, the lack of, of people of color on a lot of teams, the lack of um, LGBTQ plus like community um, on teams or whatever it may be, an underrepresentation of certain groups. And then you start to see some of the cultural issues and you start to like see the connection between some of the unhealthy culture uh, phenomenon and then how that relates to not creating a welcoming environment for people with different perspectives and different backgrounds. And so for example, when we have stereotypes ruling the day in terms of what a you know good engineer looks like or does, then what we can do is um, we use that stereotype as a filter, and it ends up creating this um, very unwelcoming environment for people who fall outside of that stereotype in whatever way. But you know, I'm not an expert on, on this side of things, but that's just one thing that I noticed, um, you know, from my perspective in the industry.
0: Yeah. So. Uh... What do you think about Indian engineers?
1: Um, again, uh, talk, about, talk about not being an expert. I feel like uh, I don't think that there's any way for me to stay in my lane and answer that question.
0: The reason why I ask is, uh, I know that's an uncomfortable question, but, you know, when when I, when people see me, right, in America, they they ask me if I'm an engineer, because if you're an Indian, they assume, and you're in America, they assume you're an engineer. So I'm always curious uh, how the perspective of an Indian engineer is uh, from an outsider perspective.
1: Um, That's an interesting question. So I really, I try not to make, like, Uh, you know generalizations about about groups of people and so um, you know I I really I don't have like a a specific answer to that question but I think that um, you pointing that out does point out a problem with this stereotyping right because um, it does happen to be that you're an engineer right but um, but you know I'm sure that I don't know I know that when people make assumptions about me like just based on what I look like or what they think about me I don't really like the way that feels so I don't know like what do you think about it?
0: I totally agree. I mean, um, it it feels kind of uh, very uncomfortable. I probably have to understand what that exact feeling is because I could be doing a lot more things. And also I think that puts people in a certain mode that The only thing I can do is an engineer, probably I'm not good enough for anything else. because That's how everyone sees me as this engineer who puts his head down and writes code, right? Uh, So it also limits my possibilities that I, what I can do with my life. And I'm sure it's not just Indian engineers who experience this, different people experience this in different ways. So I totally agree with you on that.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think it's anytime we're putting people in boxes based on, you know, especially on characteristics that are outside their control and and we're making assumptions. um, I know one thing that a lot of women engineers um, experience uh, is being like, they'll be at a a, a technical conference and people will assume that uh, they're a recruiter or they're in marketing. And anytime I give this example, I like to say, there's nothing wrong with those roles. Those are great roles too. But it's interesting that people assume that the women couldn't be engineers, that they must be other roles. And again, it's just, it's not that one's better than the other, just like an engineer versus other roles that you could have. It doesn't mean, you know, it's not that one's better than the other. It's just, let's not take these shortcuts. And I think that ties back to the whole fast and slow thinking. Like that's our stereotyped fast brain thing, putting people in boxes. And I think that if we can stop doing that, I think that we can you know we can have more compassion and more understanding for people's uh, you know full the full like uh, variety of people's um, uh, you know choices and their own authentic self and i think that that's that's the goal i see it as
0: yeah totally i love that so and one of the questions i commonly get asked april is an engineer who gets promoted as main manager right this engineer is a high achiever Uh, He gets things done. He's known for meeting targets or exceeding his goals. And now he's given his team. So not only he's motivated, he can get things done, but now he has to move with his team to meet the deadline and overachieve his goals because his promotion is dependent on how well his team does and not uh, solely based on him, right? So in this scenario, what's your advice or what, what kind of advice would you give to this engineering manager and how he can rally his team to accomplish the goals?
1: Well, I think anytime uh, you're talking about management, I mean, I think that the manager's uh, goal is to empower their team. So to empower the people to pursue their own goals uh, for their own reasons. And so we may have like commonality on the team in terms of, you know, shared company values and things like that. But I think to really unlock people's power, uh, people's personal power to achieve. Uh, it's the manager's role to look at their team and to uh, speak with them and feel, you know, practice empathy to understand what's motivating each of those engineers. And then when you can touch on that, then that can help. Uh, set goals together so that the engineers feel like they are playing a role, an active role in their own path, in their own journey, rather than sort of caving to the demands of an overbearing manager. So I think it's about understanding people's core values. That's another thing uh, that I often do in workshops is is, uh, unlock, uh, uh, uncover people's core values. So we do exercises on trying to tease those out so that you know what motivates you personally, and then you can use that to reach whatever other goals you're doing, but it's important to understand what really matters to you on a deep level. And then you can have those conversations with your manager. And so if the manager motivates people to understand their core values, then it's easier to have that conversation and work together on that.
0: Yeah, great. And and last uh, last follow-up question on what you just said, April. So at what point do the manager needs to... uh, needs to start writing code because one of his team member is getting behind. So now he gets into the nitty-gritties of the code coding process.
1: Um, so that's an interesting question. I mean, I think that a lot of times it's great when managers... Uh, are still able to code, like when they do still uh, retain that ability, um, because some managers don't, and that's fine too, they can specialize more on motivating people. Uh, but it's nice when they when they do retain that ability, because then uh, they can pitch in and contribute in that way. But, you know, I think the, the mark of a really strong manager too, is being able to motivate your team to accomplish these goals. Um, and as far as like, you know, kind of chipping in and doing it, I could see you know, and I've done that right, like in certain situations. Uh, but that that might be an indication of something broken in the in the process that we needed this sort of like extra thing to happen. And so it can. The reason I mention this is it can lead to that thing we were talking about with relation to burnout. Like if the engin- if the engineering manager uh, is setting the example of oh yeah, like I'll stay late and I'll do this coding and I'll go, you know, uh, work overtime to do this and all that sort of thing, then it's gonna, it could lead the other engineers on the team to think, oh, we should do that too. And we should, you know, so I think that there's a balance between helping out, helping reach these goals, but also balancing taking care of yourself and not not burning out by trying to overcompensate for something that's broken in the process.
0: I, I love how you mentioned the broken, something is broken in the process because uh, by by just trying trying to write write the code and st- stepping into the developer shoes, it might be a short-term fix, but it's not a long-term f- fix. It, it, the manager can be doing that every weekend, every single day, that happens. But, but that's an opportunity for the manager or the leadership team to look into something, what's something broken at, at a deeper level, right? And and Maybe compassion and emotional intelligence that you're talking about play a great role in how uh, this can be resolved. Any final thoughts, April, before we close the session?
1: you know, I think we've touched on most things, but I think uh, one thing I would just say to any engineers wanting to, to grow emotional intelligence and specifically compassion is uh, don't be afraid to get started just because you may be putting yourself in a box of I'm not a people person or whatever it may be. Uh, th- these skills are accessible to anyone who wants to practice them and they do have a lot of benefits. And I think that they can help you uh, throughout your lifetime. And, you know, becoming a compassionate human being is, is a lifelong project, right? And so mm-hmm. it's not something that, um, You do one workshop and then you're compassionate. Um, It's something that we all grow uh, for our whole lives. Um, And similarly, engineering, it's like we keep learning and it's a similar thing to emotional intelligence. So I would say start small and uh, yeah, and be kind with yourself through the process.
0: Great message, uh, April. Thank you so much again for being with us here and sharing your expertise.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, thank
0: you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Hopefully you learned some important nuggets to uncover the rock star from inside of you. If you have any questions, you can reach me on my email at aditya at who we are It's A-D-I-T-Y-A
1: at who we are dot IO.